For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, Thunder fans? You people are listening to Topic Thunder. Welcome in, Thunder fans, uh, to the week six episode of Topic Thunder. I am joined today by Alex Roig. What's up, Alex Roig? Uh, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm so glad that uh finally have a podcast where we're talking about wins instead of, you know, where this uh, where this season might be going. So, Yeah, happy pod. <laughs> yeah, happy pod. <laughs> what's up, Anthony Montero? How what? are you doing today? What's going on? I'm doing all right. All right, cool, cool. So we're all here, and we are all happy because the Thunder have finally stopped losing basketball games, and they're finally on a win streak. So with a week of three victories and zero losses, uh, let's hook up the TiVo and look at this last week. And look, listeners, you don't have to explain to me why you need TiVo. All right, so I'm opening up this segment uh, with the first wins, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, it, this was the first win of the season that the Thunder had against a good team. They had had a previous win against the Suns, which we were all, I, I don't know, it, it was like a lifesaver, right? That, 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 that game against the Suns got thrown to us after starting off 0-4. And we all just kind of were like, chalk that one up as a win. And then let's hope we can continue that momentum and continue it. The Thunder did. Uh, Paul George had 32 points on 18 shots, 12 rebounds and four assists. Uh, that might be his best game so far this season. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that it was. Uh, Russ also had 32 points on 25 shots, eight assists, four rebounds. Adams had what is at this point a season high 18 points and added 10 rebounds to that and Dennis Schroeder had what at that point in the season was his best game he, he's since surpassed that but he had his 15 points on 13 shots and I mean I did the recap on this game and it was just a great game all around uh, but it was highlighted by the 39 to 10 third quarter that the Thunder put on the Clippers and and a 20 to nothing run within that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, it was just a really impressive outing. You guys have anything else to add about this game? I mean, it was it was impressive the the second half, but the first half was not very impressive. Um, so that's kind of that's what true. I that's kind of what I took from that game is that, you know, this is a it has become kind of consistent with this team that they are Jekyll and Hyde in some games where they come out in one half and they look horrible 
and then they come out the next half and they look like world beaters. And so, you know, you're kind of, you know, you were kind of hoping for a game, hopefully, you know, later on that week where they finally put both halves together. And so I think we got that. And I'll go into the, I'll go into discussion with that whenever we get to the Wizards game. But in keeping with the Clippers mm-hmm. game, it was kind of, the, you know, the thing that we've seen a lot this season where they look great one half and they look bad the other half. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's probably preferential to what we saw last season where mm-hmm. they would come out of the gates hot and get just annihilated in the third quarter that's felt like that happened every other game last season so i I think we'll take the late surge to the early surge but anthony what's your what you got on this game what i got from this game is that russell has a very long memory and that rivalry (laughs) is still very much alive (laughs) he does not like patrick beverly he remembers what he did to his knee and we had another situation where patrick beverly goes for the ball and his body goes into the knee again mm-hmm. and so they very much don't like each other and russell westbrook's not gonna let him get away with anything and what and what's what sucks about that is a guy like patrick beverly i would love a guy like that on my team yeah man but there is absolutely no way you can bring him on the team no. until russell is gone from this he team he is persona non grata no yeah. <laughs> That bridge has been burnt. Like, if you literally want to see everybody in the stands have a, you know, blown head moment, that would be it whenever he steps onto the court in a Thunder uniform. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, like, I, I not to trivialize PTSD, but I think as close to, as close as sports fans can have to that, we all have related to that motion of Patrick Beverly diving at Russell Westbrook's knee. Like, I had yeah, flashbacks. Well- if you ever thought there was any hopes of mending that bridge, he burnt that bridge that, that night <laughs> at that moment. Like, it's it's a no-go from so, here on so out. So there, there were a bunch of people rebuilding that bridge, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Patrick Beverly came by and napalmed it once again, yeah. and down goes the bridge. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing with that. Here's the thing with that incident. Like, if you want to get all histrionic about it, that his that that point where you know in the 2013 playoffs where he did that completely changed the entire landscape of the NBA. I think um, from that point on, you know th- that was probably the season that the Thunder had the best chance, uh, yep. probably to win a championship. You know that was pre Warriors dynasty, um, that was crumbling Lakers dynasty. That was you know that was um, LeBron James in Miami kind of still figuring things out. You know, it was it was it was it was prime time for the Thunder to become that dynasty and him crashing into that knee and taking Westbrook out for that playoff completely changed the dynamic not just of those playoffs, but honestly for the rest of, you know, up from that point on until the present right now of this franchise. That was also yeah, like pre Boston. That was also like pre-Boston Celtics, 37 draft picks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you always hear, you know, like, people talk about the margin of victory that the Thunder had that season in route to being the number one seed in that season. And, I mean, it was like over nine. And, and the, the number of teams who didn't win a championship with the margin of victory that large is very small. Like, the... It's the Spurs the year the Thunder beat them, but the Warriors also had it that season. Yeah. And then it's like 
very few teams. If you if you have that margin of victory, and and you're a one seed, like you win the championship that season. Yep. That's what history tells us. So I mean, <laughs> if you want to be in Alex's words, histrionic about it, the history tells you should you should be histrionic. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, yeah. We talk, you talk about PTSD, and it's it's when I saw him dive into there, I knew exactly what he was doing. I know exactly uh-huh. his intention. And, and he I, knew what he was doing. Exactly. And, and I'm surprised Russell didn't go get up and just sock him in the face. I oh, would have. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he tried, but the, the cops had to come and intervene. Yeah. He was just lurking around their huddle. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, moving on, I just want to reiterate that the Thunder actually did win that game. Yes. <laughs> as, as, uh, as troubled as we all were by the finish there. And a finish that actually might have propelled the Thunder to the victory. They, they really locked in after that, hmm. which was a good sign. But moving on from that one, uh, the next Thunder victory, because that's all we're going to be talking about in this episode, was Woo-hoo. against the Charlotte Hornets. So go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, so the Thunder won this game 111-107, uh, continuing the, the momentum of victory. And the big part, the big takeaway from this game would be Alex Abrinas, who had 25 points on 5 for 10 for threes uh, and just had an overall fantastic night. And kudos to the coaching staff for deciding to run with him (laughs) because he had a fantastic night. Uh, Russell Westbrook also had a fantastic night, 29 points. He was 12 for 24 from field goals, 10 assists and 8 rebounds. So almost his first triple-double of the game. Uh, Dennis Schroeder also had a fantastic game with 25 points and 5 assists. Uh, For the Hornets, Malik Monk had 21 points. And the Thunder had a concerted effort to stop Kemba Walker. And they only allowed him 21 points as he had been averaging 30 points up to this point. Um, So, you know, a game where the Thunder started slow, it was a game where they continued that momentum to playing an entire four quarters of offense and defense cohesively. Uh, George struggling with his dead foot. Dead uh, foot. You know, he's having rough times. <laughs> that's, that's a hilarious injury. Yeah, that's a that's a hilarious name for an injury. Just, well, it's actually not named dead foot. It's it's drop foot. Drop foot. There we go. I like dead yeah, foot. Yeah, it's drop foot is what it's known as. That's that, that sounds like a like a villain in you know Marvel hero comic books. You know, oh who's that? Oh, it's drop foot or dead foot. James uh, James Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as we've seen George do when he's not hitting shots, he's affecting the game in other areas. Um, and in this game, it was the same thing. He was affecting him on defense, uh, affecting him on screen and rolls, and um, you know, knocking down at least a few shots whenever. But again, 111-107 victory, continuing that two-game momentum. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and any, anybody who on Twitter is just pointing out his shooting line, like, yeah, he didn't shoot well. But if, if you're just going to look at that box score and say that he wasn't impressive, then you didn't watch the game. Yeah, I mean, he, he shot 4 for 20, 0 for 10 from um, from 3. And he was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was not very good offensively that day. Um, but, again, you know, this is, this is a thing where last season – there were a couple games where he was completely ineffective, um, but he didn't affect the game in other ways. You know, he was just out there trying to shoot. You know, he, he was playing defense. He's always been a good defender. Uh, but as far as rebounding, as far as playmaking, 
he wasn't necessarily doing those. And in this game, you know, this season, he's kind of gotten off to a rough start as far as shooting the ball, but he has affected the game in different ways. He's rebounding a lot more. Um, he's playmaking. He's doing a lot more playmaking. Um, and defensively, he's one of the best defenders in the league um, this this year so far. Um, so he's doing a great job of that. This game was just one of those games where it was good to see, like last season, if one of our big three is struggling to score, we oftentimes lose that game. Um, but this season, we've had you know we've had games where George has not been very good, and we still won it because somebody else steps up, either a shooter. Um, either a combination of like Jeremy Grant, Steven Adams, or in this game, as we saw with uh, Alex Sabrinas, did a great job with that. Yeah, and I think the difference between this season's team and last season's team is that going into last season, we expected to have the three guys who could create their own offense mm. with Carmelo Anthony, but that turned out just not to be the case. Like I, I rail against the the theory that. Carmelo Anthony is just bad for teams because it's not that he's bad for teams is that he's just not good at basketball anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he, the reason he harmed the team last year is because he's not as good as he thinks he is. But this year we legitimately have three guys who can create their own offense and mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook, Paul George and Dennis Schroeder. Like they can go get a shot. Dennis Schroeder can go get a layup. Like, we saw Carmelo try to go get a few dunks last year, and most of them got blocked. <laughs> so. You also have guys like Norlands Noel and Jeremy yeah. Grant who can crash the boards or pick and roll and get those shots at the basket. And we know that Schroeder will pull the trigger on anywhere on the floor for an alley-oop. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. And you have guys that can run to the rim and get those shots. So it's not that we're dependent on outside shooting or three-point shooting. Uh, we're very we're more faceted to find points wherever we need them to win the game. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and all due respect to Russell Westbrook, I think Dennis Schroeder has probably supplanted him as the best lob thrower on the team. <laughs> He's so good at it, man. He, he, he throws them from like weird angles and like like yeah. Russ throws them when when the help defender like crashes over to him and he it's like an obvious lob pass. Dennis Schroeder just like lobs him and you're like, who is he even throwing that to? <laughs> what, what What's impressive is Noel's ability to grab the ball and still put it in. Yeah. I think Schroeder had yeah. one like two steps inside the half court line and he just chucked yeah. it and Noel was just able to grab it and still make it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a luxury to have somebody like Schroeder as a backup point guard. And then you wonder yeah. how in Dallas where they don't, have guys like this how he just didn't fit in atlanta noel oh noel okay noel yeah. you know in dallas where yeah they don't have big man and he just couldn't get along with rick carlisle and they couldn't find no playing time for him mm. and yet we're able to get him in and yeah like noel he's he's not he's not a uh, a four-year 70 million dollar guy like he like that contract he was you know he was given and he didn't sign it um, but he's also not a vet minimum type player. I mean, he's he's a good defensive backup big, and he could be a starter for some of the teams in the league. I mean, you know, we saw we saw that game where he started for Adams, and he did pretty good. Yeah. I mean, so 
Yeah, he's it's it's a shame because he's he's probably not going to be here next year. You yeah. know, <laughs> unfortunately, he's playing himself out of our exactly. out of our pay band, but it is what it is. We'll take advantage of him this year. Yeah, and I think one last thing to add about that Hornets game was Billy made some interesting moves, and I, Nerlens actually didn't play very many minutes in that game because mm-hmm. he made a lot of changes to go small. Uh, he went back to last year's kind of bench configuration, putting Grant at the five for large stretches of that yeah. game. And then to close the game, he was playing Paul George at the four with Adams. Uh, so, like, Nerlens and Jeremy Grant and Patrick Patterson played something like six minutes in that game or uh, just something like So, Noel had small. nine minutes. Patterson had seven. Grant had seven. 25. Yeah, yeah, so the, so, so the Grant two bigs. still got his minutes at the five, mm-hmm. but the but but Patterson and Noel's minutes suffered, and that's something I really like to see because as uh, Dylan and I discussed on the Clippers recap, like if the other team's four is someone who Paul George can guard, then we should just do that. Every There's time. no reason not to. Every yeah, time. and that's the, that was the case with Charlotte for a lot of the game and that was the case with the Clippers for a lot of the game, but he didn't do it. So I think that's maybe something that me and Dylan called out that he saw that Billy saw on film mm-hmm. against the Clippers and was like, all right, we're going to use this against the Hornets. He so heard your recap. That's right. <laughs> Made the he, changes. He's listening to the show. He he's listening to the show. Most definitely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and, and Ken, uh, so we, we've kind of go gone on. through this Charlotte recap without hardly even mentioning the you know the game by Alex Abrinas. I mean, <laughs> twenty five points five on five 10. of ten yeah. from from three. Like the guy, he played thirty minutes. He was a plus sixteen. Yeah, he's a plus sixteen. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for from this guy. This is what we, you know. A game like this, like we don't necessarily expect this from Abrinas every game. Um, but if you can give us this once every ten games, and maybe even once or twice in the playoffs, not necessarily twenty five points, but give us you know eighteen points on. I don't know, three of seven from three, and it's it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be great for this team moving forward if he consistently can do this, you know. Yeah, not just his shooting. He was also nine for 15 from the field goal, uh, but he had two defensive rebounds, two offensive rebounds, mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of had an all-around game and was, yeah. uh, wasn't required to have a help on defense all the time. He was able to stay in front of his guys and play solid defense enough to force bad shots, to force passes. Yeah, there was a there was a play there where he got he got isolated on Kemba Walker and he actually guarded him pretty good. Yeah. Um so yeah, if he if he can do that repeatedly, believe me, Billy will play him and he will be he will be a very good cog for this team. All right, so moving on from the Charlotte Hornets game to yet another victory. Hey, good week for the Thunder. Uh, we're going on from talking about Alex Abrinas to to Alex Roig <laughs> for the <laughs> for the Wizards recap. So what happened in that game? So Alex? you know, so us looking for that one game where we put together two good halves, two great halves, um, and it happened in the Wizards game. Now the Wizards came into this game one and seven or one and six, um, and they played like they were one and six. This is not, you know, coming into the season, I think, and a lot of the the preview podcast that we did, 
you know, basically with the Wizards, we we said it's either feast or famine. They're either going to be pretty good or they have the they have the possibility of a chemistry type explosion and being really bad. And so far this season, it has been the latter. It's as it has been a chemistry explosion where nothing has worked. People are, you know, running around with their heads down. Um the chemistry between John Wall and Bradley Beal doesn't seem to really be there. And so coming into this game, especially with the return of Dwight Howard, you thought maybe, hey, they might be able to put it all together and give the Thunder, you know, a good game. And, and probably, you know, the Thunder were coming in on the second night of a back-to-back. And if you're going to lose a game, this is probably the prime candidate to lose a game. But no, <laughs> not at all. You know, the Wizards come out hot to begin the game. Dwight Howard comes out, you know, like ready to play the season. So he comes out smoking. Um, they get out to a 10-point lead. And then second quarter, basically, it all collapses on the Wizards. So the, the Thunder outscore the Wizards 44-20 to in that second quarter. Um, and just basically cruise from there on out. They were up by 29 at halftime. Um, it was one of those games where the Thunder really didn't – the Thunder – really didn't need a superstar performance. They basically just had great or good performances from everybody on the team. Um, so Westbrook had 23 points, um, three rebounds, 12 assists. Uh, Paul George had 17 points, um, four rebounds, seven assists. Um, Jeremy Grant, 22 points, four rebounds, four assists, three steals. Um, Terrence Ferguson had nine points. He was three of five from three-point land. So, you know, one of the big things about Terrence Ferguson is that He's been doing pretty good defensively, but offensively he's not giving you th- anything. All the open threes that he had in this game, he made them. Uh, the bench, Dennis Schroeder, 16 points, six rebounds, five assists, and it just it, it was it was a good performance by the entire team. It was a good end to end performance from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, and this is what we're expecting with this team: consistency. Um, you know, carrying a game 48 minutes. Keeping your, you know, keeping your foot on the neck of the of the opponent if you got them down, and so you know that's basically what we saw with this game. As far as as far as the Wizards side, Bradley Beal had a pretty good game, twenty seven points on four seven from three. Uh, Dwight Howard had twenty points, but I believe he only had he had sixteen at the half. He only scored like four points after the half, um, but he only had three rebounds. So that's a big thing when it comes to Dwight Howard. Um, so you, you don't really hear me mention Stephen Adams. Stephen Adam had had a wow. Yeah, he had an okay game. He had 15 points and three rebounds, but keeping that big man off the off the boards, you know, keeping him from gathering offensive rebounds, from giving the Wizards more opportunities, um, it's very big for this team. And it's just, you know, John Wall, for everything that he's good at, he really didn't have an impactful game. He had 19 points, nine assists, but you wouldn't, you know, he it's basically I saw on Twitter somebody put down that John Wall is the Aldi's version of Russell Westbrook. Um, so that's basically what he was in this game is just, you know, a, a dumbed down, you know, kind of like cheap version of Russell Westbrook. And that's all he's been this past season. He got that big old contract and he has not lived up to it at all this season. And so this was a good game to have. This was a good game to kind of put everything together, you know, get some rest at the end of a of a second game of back to back and just, you know, move on from there. You get two days rest and then you play again on Monday. So it was a great game by the Thunder. Yeah, and there was a there was quite a bit of talk going into this game that 
man, the the Wizards are really going to have their back against the wall, and they're going to come out fighting. And I was like, have you watched the Wizards play? Do, do they strike you as the backs against the wall, like yeah. corner and I'll tear your face off kind of team? No, that's not who they are. <laughs> they, that's not. But you back them into a corner and – and, They'll take the beating, and, and we we saw literally what happens when you back them into a corner. But how, how many how many points did you say Dwight Howard ended up with? Well, twenty. Twenty. He, he I I believe he had like thirteen in the first half of the first Something quarter. Like that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know he had he had a great first <laughs> quarter. I don't know where the rest of the game went, but he had a great first quarter. <laughs> well. You know, his he had a he had a back injury. Is that right or a lower uh, back? No, lower? it's a yeah, but, it's a, a butt buttock. a butt muscle injury. Yeah. Lower lower back. <laughs> <laughs> this had all the makings of like the Mexico City Brooklyn game last year, right, uh, right? Where you know that you have better talent than that team, and just somehow you find a way to to mess up the game. And instead, we came out full force. Uh, everything working from first quarter to the fourth quarter. The only thing I would have liked to see is Nadar, uh, Nader, Error, and TLC. Those guys get in I know. Why, earlier why than like Billy three just, minutes left. I'm like, Billy you're up by that? 29. You can afford to let them get no, some I playing know. time. I would. I, would, I mean, I don't really care about TLC that much because you know we have good wings. Um, but you know, in this in this NBA, you're gonna need a shooter. You know, you're gonna need shooters and Nader. From what everybody says, is a great shooter. Paul George has, you know, has sung his praises. You know, some of the some of the Thunder coaching staff has sung his praises, and it's just like, you know, if if this guy's going to be needed sometime in the season, you might as well put him out there at some point, especially if we're winning the game handily. Yeah. But that's Billy. You know, that's one of the grumblings that you have with Billy all the time. Right. There's no reason not to give the minutes when the game's out of hand. But for some reason, even though there's not one, it just keeps happening. And I, and I get it. I mean, every team is going to have – like, no team is going to play their 15 players every game. I mean, first of all, no. you can't. Um, but even even if you have 13 players available to you every night, no coach is going to have a rotation of 13 players. I get that. Um, but sure. you have guys that you don't know how they function with, you know, a Russell Westbrook, a PG, and a Steven Adams around them. Like I think if you put Nader out there with those guys, he'll make a couple threes. You know, he'll space the floor. He'll, you know, he'll give you what you think he can give you. Uh, but not doing that and just putting him into games when there's two minutes left in a in a barn burner, it it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't even I don't even need to see them play with those players. I just want to see, like, it was a it was a blowout. You could give them six minutes. Yeah. Yeah, like like put them in there. Put them in there with. Uh, and not only does that give them, not only does that give them six minutes, it also rests a, a player who yeah. we know is in the rotation for six minutes. Like like, like they put them out there. They, the, you know the the two games that TLC and and Nader have played, they put them out there whenever um, Terrence Ferguson is the point guard for the team. Like literally, that like Dennis Schroeder isn't even out there, so they don't know. You know, you can't necessarily gauge them. Um, to see how they would do with even a, a Schroeder out there on the second team. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I guess it's, it's one of those things where those last two guys off the bench usually are just there for, for injury backup, but it would be nice to see what we have with them some, from time to time. 
especially if the outcome of the game is not in um, in jeopardy. Yeah. But yeah, it was a it was a win. It was a blowout. It's fun to have those. We had you know we didn't have too many of those last season, uh, so it was good to finally experience one of those this year. It's so fun to have those, and I think that's that's part of the reason that I hope on the side that Russell Westbrook isn't going to average a triple double this season is he'll sit out too many fourth quarters. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so let's continue to hope that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like the whole triple double thing. I think, I don't know the the rebound thing has kind of a. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily hunting the rebounds like he used to, you know. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. I agree. I agree. I, I think it would be a real shock, even though it happened so casually last season. I think it would be yeah. a real shock if it happened again this season. Yeah, but last season, even uh, last even last season, like the the rebounds were around you know eight point nine, nine point one, nine point two, and he's you know at the end of the season you kind of saw an uptick in him grabbing rebounds. But this year, yeah. I, I think it's like at what six point something or seven point something. Yeah, it's about seven. He's at seven point three. Yeah, right he's now. not getting it this year. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'd rather see Stephen average a a double-double. Yeah, and I hope he doesn't. But uh, speaking of Russell Westbrook, spoiler alert, uh, it's time to move on to to giving out the Academy Award for Player of the Week. Congratulations, Russell Westbrook, on your Player of the Week award. Uh, you averaged 28 points, 10 assists, and five rebounds per game, like we just talked about, just five rebounds. So that, that number is going to need to come up, or maybe we just prefer it stays down. Uh, and that's just in the last three games. That, that Those were your averages. You were 53.8 percent from the field which wow yeah for for a point guard yeah for a point guard that is 54 percent and not just for any point guard for russell westbrook who has this inefficient reputation and he's been good almost in every single game you take out that one game where he was uh one for six from three and and then you take you take out that boston game where he shot just horrendously from the field and he's really just having, thus far, a career season as far as shooting goes. I mean, he's over 50% for the season. So you take that one game out, and mm. he's never done this well. I think that above the raw stats is the most amazing thing so far. And not just that. I mean, in, in the couple of games that were very close, so the Charlotte game and the Clippers game, he was mm-hmm. – in the fourth quarter, he was that MVP year, Russ, where fourth quarters yeah. he was making the shots that he had to make, whether it was driving the basket, uh, whether, I mean, whether it was driving the ball to the basket or hitting the little mid-range jumpers. Um, you know, he was he was very good on that. And then he stayed away from the threes. I mean, you know, that's one of the things with Russell Westbrook is that on those, you know, he always goes through these ebbs and flows where, you know, he'll go 10 games and, you know, won't take that many threes per game. And then he'll go 10 games where – you know, he shoots like eight or nine per game for about 10 games. Um, and so this has been the week where he has not shot that many threes, and it's helped his efficiency. <laughs> well, I just want to say he also has uh, made a concerted effort to attack the basket. 
which has helped break down the defense mm-hmm. and allow easy open shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's I, – I think it was pretty easy to name Russell Westbrook player of the week. Um, but we have to at least acknowledge Alex Abrines as an honorable mention because the impact that he had on this week was very noticeable, which we've covered some already, but you guys have some more stuff to add about that, right? Well, I think we need to give the honorable mention to the coaching staff for finally deciding to play Alex Abrines significant mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he has done – so this is his third year in the league. And, yeah. you know, he, he's always been known as a shooter, um, but I think he's done a very good job this season – Number one, not just of playing good enough defense to stay on the floor and not be a detriment on that end of the floor, um, but he's also done a good job of not just being a three-point shooter. Um, so he's he's driving the you know the ball to the basket at times. He's you know passing it quickly at times to get you know to get the shot to the open man. And he's you know he's he's becoming a dead-eye shooter. I mean he's becoming one of those guys that's very consistent in making their threes. Um, so. You know, that's that's something that the Thunder have been wanting from him since they got him here from Europe. You know, it's to be somebody that can be good enough on one end of the floor, the defensive end, to stay on the floor, but then once he's on the floor, to not just be a corner three-point guy or not just be a perimeter three-point guy. You know what? Get the ball. If you can pump fake it and get your guy up, drive it in. Um, if you can pass it real quick to get a better shot on a, you know from somebody else, do that. Um, but he's he's been a lot better this season in creating offense, not just for himself but for his teammates, and also being able to stay um, in the game on the defensive end. So I think this is something that we've been waiting for, and it takes time in the NBA sometimes, especially for European players, and I think we finally got to that point. It's kind of sad that he didn't get an extension uh, before October 31st because – some other team may be looking at him now and say, you know, this guy could be the difference between, you know, us being a, this type of team and that type of team, and they may offer him seven, eight, nine million dollars a season. So, and we won't be able to afford that. Nope. Uh, but as far as like the the abilities that he's shown, and and that they have been developed, like I think we can, I think we can confidently say that his defensive abilities have grown mm. but as far as pump faking driving to the rim and and getting fouled and things like that i'm not sure that we can say that that's something that has developed i, th- I think that <laughs> maybe he just didn't have the opportunity to show those things so it's really mm. nice to see him getting the playing time that he's gotten uh i i think he Oh gosh, I, I actually don't know this for sure, but I think he probably is leading in minutes among he Ferguson and Diallo for the season. If not, it's very close. Oh, yeah. Like he's oh yeah, he, he, he's he, up there. He definitely is. Yeah, he definitely is. Like Ferguson usually, you know, he starts the game and once he's taken out in that first half, he usually does not see the floor that much. And same thing in the second half. Um, so yeah, he definitely between the three, he's leading. Um, in minutes per game, that's yeah. He's yeah. at he's at twenty one point eight for the season. Ferguson is at twenty point six, oh, and Diallo's down at fourteen. Okay. So like again, it's like it's like 
there hasn't been enough games that like if if Diallo played four minutes in one game, then that's going to skew these minutes. Mm-hmm. And the same for the same for Abrinas. Like I think he played twenty five in the game against Charlotte when he was just lighting up the world. Um, but I think that's noteworthy that that the coaching staff trusts him, and it might just be because Russell Westbrook trusts him. But <laughs> and for for this team, that's basically all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, all due respect to honorable mention Alex Abrines and the coaching staff. Player of the week for this week goes to Russell Westbrook. What does that mean? Do I get do I get anything? Do I win? Do I get a bonus? <laughs> I'll be sick. No, it's just I don't know. Seems dumb. It does. Alright, so having gotten the last week out of the way, I think we can move on to just general thunder discussion. Mm-hmm. Um so the first topic on this list and and one that's really important to the thunder this season and has been very impactful is paul george's shooting struggles and he just hasn't been like himself from the field this season he's shooting 39.4 percent from the field he's at 32.4 percent from three which aren't great we expect him to shoot 40 percent as he did last year but there's been a report come out lately, and that can we even call it a report? He legitimately said it into a camera about yeah. something we've mentioned already of him having dead foot. <laughs> yeah, dead foot. <laughs> dead foot is what he called it. It is a perineal nerve palsy, which is oh. basically just uh, numbness in the palsy foot. Palsy sounds bad. Numbness in the foot and the ankles, uh, feet, and sometimes legs. It's kind of the feeling of falling asleep in your foot. Uh-huh. Uh, the according to the Mayo Clinic, this is something that. Um, Let's not go to the Mayo Clinic. A- anytime you go to the Mayo Clinic, you always end cancer. up with cancer and you die. It's cancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. According to the Mayo Clinic, he yeah, has cancer now. No, the risk <laughs> factors include prolonged leg kneeling. Cancer. Paul George has leg cancer. <laughs> prolonged- Breaking news. <laughs> Prolonged kneeling, wearing a plaster leg cast that encloses the ankles and ends just above the knee. Uh, well, dang, is, that doesn't sound good. Those are some of the risk factors that you can find. Oh. But basically, most of the treatment for this is just kind of non-surgical, modifying their activity, bracing, physical therapy, or medif- medication. And I misspoke earlier. It's not drop foot. It's foot drop. Okay. That's the actual... <laughs> Street term, not dead foot. We'll, we'll just call it foot. We'll just call it foot dead. <laughs> Since we're incorrectly yeah. incorrectly calling it dead foot, we'll just call it foot dead. <laughs> no, I mean like. So he, here's the thing, like especially if we're looking at the last three week or the last three games. Um, so he had that atrocious five for twenty game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean four for twenty. But outside of that, you know. The game against um, the Clippers, he was 6 of 12. And then the game against the Wizards, he was 9 of 18. Now, here's the deal with that. If you watch those games live, he struggled for the first half of the games. And so it looked bad. But then in the second half of the game, for some reason, he caught a little bit of fire. I don't know if it's one of those injuries that he has to kind of work it out 
and as he gets into the flow of the game and as the adrenaline kind of kicks in, you don't feel it anymore. It doesn't affect you that much. Um, so he did a lot better job shooting the ball later in the games, but in the beginning of the games, he looks terrible. It looks horrible. Um, so I don't know if this is one of those injuries where, you know, it takes time for it to kind of, um, to, for it to to kind of wear out or wear off. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, his shooting, while it has been atrocious, um, in the last three games, has not been that off. If you take out the the anomaly that was the the Hornets game. Well, like you said, in the third quarter is where he really gets off. Yeah. And really makes a comeback. So it could be a situation, like you're saying, where he just needs to work through that mm-hmm. um, until he can get comfortable with the foot. I wonder if this is anything like like plantar fasciitis. Like plantar fasciitis is one of those injuries that, you know, a, as you start playing in the game, the pain eventually goes away. Um, so hopefully it's something like that. Hopefully it's not a situation where he has to sit out a couple games. But if he does, we know that we have people there that can actually cover and actually go ahead and score some points, unlike we did last season. And I mean, look, it's it's if Paul George hadn't had that zero for ten game then he'd be from 32.4% to over 35%, and we wouldn't all be so loud about it, right? So it, we hope he shoots better, and we believe he'll shoot better, and I think that the Wizards game shows that it's not a real hindrance, that that was actually just a bad game that he had against the Hornets. So I think we can look forward to his numbers improving. And, I mean, as, as I've written recently – Shots are just going to fall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that worked out pretty well. I wrote it when the Thunder were 0-4 and we're at the, at the last position in the league for field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and, uh-huh. and free throw percentage. And immediately after that, they went on a four-game win streak. So I can't imagine that it could have gone any better for, for my article. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was totally vindicated and, and it, it just, it, it aged well as people say on Twitter, but I think that's something that we can continue to expect. And although the rest of the team form for shooting percentages, um, Paul George has not yet. Yeah. And he is probably the most reliable shooter that we have. So, we can expect him to round into form more than we can even rely on other people to do the same. And it's it's going to ebb and flow. I mean, that's the thing about shooting in the NBA is it's going to ebb and flow. We're not the Warriors. We're not, you know, even if you look, you know, whenever you ask, you can ask 100 people, you know, name the top three best shooting teams in the league, and they're always going to include, you know, most people are going to include Houston in there. And honestly, Houston is not that great of a, of a, of a shooting team. You know, they have Harden, they have Chris Paul, and then anything out of that, you know, it's it's not that good. And so, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flow with shooting. And right now we are on a peak. Um, you know, the next four games could be a valley, and it could look ugly again. You know, so it's just one of those things where with this team that does not have great shooters per se, you're going to have those peaks and valleys when it comes to shooting. Well, look, I, I it, it could look ugly again, mm-hmm. but – I don't think it will ever look as ugly as it looked for those first four games. That was a statistical anomaly. Yeah. Like that was that was the whole team shooting twenty five percent from three. It will not happen again. It won't. Yeah, it won't. Like, that was the crazy part. Like I in in my article I wrote that if if the Thunder had just 
if all the players had shot their career average on only wide open threes and free throws, the 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 shots aren't influenced by what defense you're playing against, right? Mm. Then it would have been the twelfth ranked offense instead of the twenty ninth. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> like it was it was that big of a difference. Like the and only on shots that are wide open that the offense generated. And I think the plus side is that those shots, the wide open shots were prevalent in mm. the offense more so than they had been in the past. So yeah. I, this offense is actually good. And I promise it, it's actually a good offense. It's, it's just been bad because people are missing wide open three pointers. People who are good shooters are yeah. missing wide open three pointers. And speaking of what's good, uh, so that probably leads us to our next Thunder-related discussion, uh, which is their identity. They seem to have found what their identity is finally, and their identity is defense and fast-paced offense, transition offense. Um, and so what we've seen in these last four games is the ability to not ne- not necessarily do so well on offense but still stay within the game because of their defense – um, and then taking that defense and turning it into quick strike offense that eventually, you know, puts the momentum back on you and eventually the Thunder pull away and win games. Um, so I think this is the, the Thunder's identity, um, and I love it. I, I think this is what we predicted at the beginning of the season, and this is what's happening, you know, when you have somebody like Westbrook, somebody like Schroeder uh, leading the breaks, you have nothing but – you know, quick attack guards on, on the wings. You have people like Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo. Um, even Abrinas is attacking the rim. And and then you have rim-running bigs like Grant, Noel, Adams, um, and even Patterson sometimes. You know, he's, he's gotten two dunks this year. So, um, so yeah, so I think they've, they've found their identity, and it's, uh, it's something that it, it took a while, but we're here now, and it's great. Well, considering one of their best defensive players – uh, and Robertson is not in the game. This team is very active with their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, their hands are in the passing lanes. Um, they're very physical, as physical as you can be in this NBA, uh, defending their guys. And they're getting a lot of turnovers. They're getting a lot of deflections. They're getting a lot of blocks, which is turning into a lot of transition offense like you're talking about. And mm-hmm. even with Patterson, he's uh, hit transition three-pointers. Yeah. Um, he's Step, he's, he's kind of the guy him. that's been trailing in the behind, steps up at the top of the key, nails a couple transition uh, three-pointers. So it's great. Um, I like that the defense is kind of active in everybody, mm-hmm. which is not something you've seen in Oklahoma City a whole lot. You've seen it in spurts from individual players or the team per se in certain games, uh, but you've never seen it as a like a concerted effort every game as a team, this is what we're going to do. Um, and transition, you know, pace is something that Billy Donovan talks about all the time. They want to play fast. They want to get in transition. It's somewhere, it's areas where Schroeder and Russell Westbrook really flourish because they're guys that are fast and they're guys that can find the open guy on an alley-oop or an assist or a corner three. And so I like the direction that this team is going. Yeah, and that's something that I, I, there was this video from the summer where Alex Abrines was working out in Spain with I think it was Darko Rayakovich, uh, the Thunder's assistant coach, mm. and 
the main focus of of their practice was Darko telling him, Alex, you have to get to the corner. You have mm-hmm. to sprint to the corner because if you do this, you're going to get wide open three-pointers. And if you don't, you're slowing down the offense. So I think that was the first sign I saw. And that was pretty early in the summer, which was like, the Thunder are pushing the pace this season. Mm-hmm. And, and the wing rotation has always tended toward athleticism. And while Alex isn't stereotypically athletic, he's 6'7". And yeah. people who are six seven can run fast when they try to run fast, <laughs> right? So if he can sprint to that corner, he's going to get open three-point attempts. And, and I think that his willingness to mold his game into the team identity has really, really paid benefits for him so far in this season. Mm-hmm. Like, people believe that he's doing the right thing. People trust him. So kind of along the lines of that, the Thunder wing rotation has really solidified this season, which we we saw Sam Presti just throwing darts against the dartboard this summer, just picking up as many wings as he possibly could Mm. with TLC and Nader and already having Abrinas and um, Ferguson and then picking up Diallo in the draft. Like He was just like, one of these are going to work out and maybe two and maybe three. And we've seen a lack of that with TLC and Nader, but we've really seen it work out with the other three so far. So I I think that's really encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it's so, you know, beginning of the season, especially in the the four-game losing streak to start the season, um, everybody was pointing at Terrence Ferguson and saying he's the guy that – um, that really kind of needs to – the change needs to happen with him. Um, um, it, mm-hmm. But th- the thing about Ferguson, I think – I wrote a, a tweet about this, is that I think we pegged him wrong. I think we, we kind of looked at him when we thought that he would be this three-point shooting guy that could play defense. Um, instead, he's probably more of a defender – that can hit an occasional three from time to time and be athletic and get on the get on the break. Um, but he's a very good defender. I don't know if that's something that um, that we saw with his game coming into the NBA, um, but he's an extremely good defender. He stays with his guy. Uh, he does a good job. His his body size, his body frame, uh, makes it easier for him to get under screens, and so he's able to stay with his guy on pick and roll instead of just allowing him to get by him and, and putting the big in a bad situation. And I think, you know, kind of keeping in – the identity thing that I said in the past, you know, that I said in the, in the previous um, point, us having guys on the wing that are not just allowing guys to get by them on pick and roll situations has really helped this defense out. We are, you know, Stephen Adams, Nerly Noel, they're not being put in as many bad spots as they were last season, um, especially Stephen Adams. You know, Stephen Adams is able to kind of just be that big man that roams the the, the post and gets to his spots where he needs to be to play um, rim defense because the guys on the perimeter aren't letting their guys just go by them. And so guys like Hamadou, guys like Terrence Ferguson, and even Alex Sabrinas uh, up to this point, and even Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder have done a great job of staying in front of their guys. So, yeah, that ring rotation starts with the, with, on the defensive end, and I think that has really helped solidify that 
rotation. Yeah, and I I think we're, we we thought that Ferguson could be a 3 and D kind of player, but maybe it turns out that he can be more of a D and 3 mm-hmm. kind of player. Like, you kind of flip those things. He was really impressive going against um, Kimball Walker in the first half of that Hornets game. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it, it kind of opened my eyes. It was like, that's real value that Terrence Ferguson can bring. Maybe he can be an ideal point guard defender. You also see these guys, um, Ferguson, Diallo, Abrinas, even when they do get that help defense – they're able to recover faster. So mm-hmm. it's not a situation where two guys are trapped on one guy and the inside man is right there for an open layup or whatever. Uh, and I also like the fact that they're not necessarily switching as much uh, because of how great the defense they've been playing lately. It's allowing them to kind of man up on their guys and not create mismatches that leave players in bad situations like you were saying. And these guys are recovering faster and requiring less help defense, uh, which is making things a lot harder for the opposing team to score. But any, and even with that, whenever we have those lineups um, that where Jeremy Grant is the five, um, mm-hmm. they become very switchy. Also, they can you know play that switch defense in which nobody gets open, in which nobody you know is is allowed to get into the lane. And I've also seen that during this four-game win streak where you've had those situations, especially when the other team goes small. Yeah, if Jeremy grants the five, you can literally switch one to five. (laughs) There's no position that can't be switched. Yeah. So that's about everything that happened to the Thunder in this last week. So uh, for a brief moment, we're going to shift over to NBA league-wide news. I. Luke Walton's on the hot seat, <laughs> and that 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 isn't just reporting. That is, I think, literally per Magic Johnson. Isn't that right? Yeah. So he had like a uh, like a meeting with Luke Walton to mm-hmm. discuss the future and basically admonish him. And to me, it doesn't make any sense because <laughs> he kind of knew mm-hmm. this is a two year situation. Like, I understand, like, you think you have LeBron James and, like, you could probably make the playoffs, uh, but like I, your guys are not very good. Yeah, my, my <laughs> thinking, like, I, I think whenever you set up, whenever you, whenever the narrative of this type of situation is set up this way, it almost makes me think that Magic Johnson already has somebody else in mind. Um, who that yeah. person is, I have no idea. Um, but I'm pretty sure if the Lakers don't get their act together here within the next one to two weeks, I'm pretty sure Mr. Walton will be bye-bye, and Magic already has that person in mind as who he's going to bring into the Lakers. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they, they've won their last two games, so that's pretty good for Luke. Like, he's he's thanking his lucky stars. But if you just looked and I did this at the beginning of the season, I just looked at their first, I think it was their first 14 games and it was just a murderer's row. Like, like it'll get easier. They, they were just on the road against a bunch of good teams. They, they faced maybe like 11 prospective 
good teams in their first 14 in the Western Conference, and they have Toronto from the Eastern Conference. Like it, it was not an easy first 14 games. If if you were going into this season and expecting a strong start, then then that's not reasonable. Like you were looking for a reason to be upset with the coach at that point. You're also to, talking to your, about to your point, Alex. You're also talking about suspensions of Rondo, Brandon Ingram mm-hmm. during yeah. these, these time periods. So I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. But, you know, the Luke Walton gets put on the hot seat at the same time Tyron Lou is fired in Cleveland. <laughs> oh, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Believe me, no, right. no, nobody thinks that Tyron Lou did any coaching on that team. And hence – Hence why Luke Walton is maybe on the hot seat. He's doing too much coaching. Yeah, you can bring in a guy yeah, that position there and you know, have to get used to a new system. I thought he would struggle with that, but he's taken to the Spurs system like a, like a fish to water. Um, I, you know, that, I think this kind of just speaks to the greatness of Greg Popovich, um, that he's able to take yeah. any team basically and look at that team, find their strengths, find their weaknesses, and meld a game plan to their strengths and stay away from their weaknesses as much as possible. So I think it's just a testament to Greg Popovich. Alex, kinda, yeah, Greg's pretty good. Alex kind of stealing my uh, my take there. I'm like, for the last 15 years, this is not surprising because Popovich takes a team with one or two superstars and a bunch of guys we've never even heard of, mm-hmm. and they're consistently second, third, or fourth. In the Western Conference. Yeah, but I just I just thought this year was it was different than the rest of the years because number one, he didn't have his stable of of vets that he trusts. Um so he came into the season, you know, you had the whole Kawhi fiasco in the offseason. You brought in DeMar the Rosen, who was not very happy with the trade to begin with. Um and n- never necessarily, you know, looked down upon San Antonio, but he was more pissed off at at Toronto for doing that. And sometimes when you have that situation, you can have a guy that comes in and plays the wrong way for wrong reasons. And so this is one of those revenge type situations that could have happened. But instead he's come into the he's come into the Spurs, been a good soldier, and he's basically having a career year. Um so, you know, again, testament to to the to the man that uh Steven Adams smelled his hair. As as much as I hate to say this, it's almost equates to like the Patriot way where mm-hmm. these guys are misfits uh, they're yeah. bad teammates in every other team, and they come to Boston and they fall in line and mm. they have great years or uh, years that allow them to get more contracts or more playing time. Yeah. Right, and I, I think that the most impressive thing that the Spurs are able to consistently do is – to come out of the gates with a strong defense, mm-hmm. no matter what their personnel is. So last year they were really good. I mean, they're playing Pau Gasol big minutes. <laughs> like he's 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 old. I'm just gonna say he's an <laughs> old player. He's old. And then they've got Demar Derozan, who got almost played off the court mm-hmm. last postseason, and and still. The Spurs, as of this moment, are the 17th-ranked defense, which isn't great, but like if you're going to play Pau Gasol, Rudy Gay, DeMar DeRozan, and your third-string point guard, like you, you lost DeJounte Murray, who was an all-defensive 
point guard last season, yep. and you're still gonna be near the near the midway <laughs> point in the league. Like that's really amazing, and I think that's one of the most impressive things that uh, Greg Popovich is able to do with that team. Yes. So. Uh, moving on from the Spurs, we'll, we'll talk about the story that just won't die <laughs> this season. <laughs> let's talk, about, I mean, your, look, let's talk it, about your boy. Yeah, my boy, yeah. We're, we're not going to do any thunder grumbling for this episode <laughs> because nobody cares about my fantasy team. But I'm in the down-to-dunk fantasy league, and I have Jimmy Butler. And he just relaxed and just sat on the sidelines. I think Alex Spears, so... Take that, Alex, if, if you're listening. Of course he <laughs> He's is. He's probably not listening. At Al Baby Cakes. Not listening. <laughs> At Al Baby Cakes. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I might pull that out, but like Jimmy Butler, please start playing basketball games. My fantasy season depends on it. Um, is he going to get traded? What do you guys think? I have no idea. Like he's literally gone from – you know, at the beginning of the season when he had that little thing in training camp where he came in and he was like, you know, you effing need me. And, you know, he went from a cult hero in my mind to this guy's being kind of a jerk this year. Like, you know, he's literally going to the you team. You can't just sit games out. Yeah, he's literally going to his team and say, hey, tonight I'm not playing. Or, hey. You and, can't do that. And you can't sit on the bench on oh. on towel waving night in Oracle and wave your no. towel with everybody else in the in the arena. What does that even mean? I have what was he, no, even was he waving the white flag? I don't know when this happened in the game. Was this in the fourth quarter? But it's not a good look. Like I don't, I don't know how Tom Thibodeau oh. can look at this and be like, you know, he's looking at Jimmy Butler like that's my son. I can't do anything about him. Like literally, I think, <laughs> I, I think Jimmy Butler's last name should be Jimmy Thibodeau, and this is a Doc Rivers, Austin Rivers situation going on in Minnesota. I wholeheartedly <laughs> don't blame Jimmy Butler. How is this guy still oh. on this team? This, this yeah. is no, this is true. A management true. blunder yeah. that they continue to ride out. So I don't blame him. Sit out games, don't play. You come into practice, you punk these dudes. Yeah. Then you go out <laughs> and show how good you are. And every game that Carl Anthony Towns has played with Jimmy Butler, he's disappeared. His only good games are when Jimmy Butler's not on the floor. So until they trade you, I would sit there and take games off if I have to, mm-hmm. wave towels if I have to, because the management just refuses to trade this dude for no reason. Yeah. So I don't blame him. Yeah, this is a <laughs> – like if I went to my job and acted a darn fool, regardless of whether my boss likes me, eventually they would let me go. Like this. Like, this guy is not, it's not living in the real world. Well, but look, here's the, here's, here, here's the bigger issue. Look at it from Tom Thibodeau's perspective. The owner literally told him, trade this man. And Tom Thibodeau was like, nah, <laughs> He's I don't my want son. to. <laughs> right? So, like, <laughs> imagine you as Tom Thibodeau and your boss telling I think we I, mean, I think I, we can do a full I, podcast just talking about Jimmy Butler. I can tell you that I am entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Even I think, though my I think we fantasy all team is struggling. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on to from this hilarity, uh 
Hey, Tyson Chandler is going to be a Laker. Does does that matter? I no. mean, that's par for the course, right? Yeah, I for mean, the I Lakers? guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's par for the course. Let's get you know, let's get the next veteran in here. Um, no, I don't think so. I think uh, you know everybody thinks it's a big move, but everybody's thinking about the Tyson Chandler from you know a couple years ago. It's not the same guy. You know, if you if you've watched any uh, Phoenix Suns basketball over the last two years, you know that this guy is a shell of the all-star from the Hornets days from, mm-hmm. you know, those types of days. So it's not the same Tyson Chandler. You can still, you know, you can still grab a couple rebounds. You can still dunk the ball a couple times, um, but he's not going to have that big of an impact on the Lakers this year. Yeah, we all saw Nerlens Noel cross him up for the dunk, <laughs> yes. didn't we? Yeah, washed. we did. He's washed. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So, no, we, we don't think that's a big deal. It's fine. The Lakers can have him. So... The, ba- the, the balance of, of power in the West did not uh, move with this move. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, so now that we've covered everything that's going on in the league at the moment and everything that happened for the Thunder last week, we can move on to next week's forecast. Okay, so I'll be leading this segment also because I'll be recapping this game. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I almost said Hornets. Not, not Hornets. They, <laughs> I yeah, felt they, it. They switched. I know, right? They switched their team name so often. Yeah, who who can even <laughs> keep up, right? We'll have an old timer on. We'll, we'll have an old timer on this podcast. We'll be like the New Orleans Jazz. The Jazz, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the so the Pelicans are kind of having an inverse of the Thunder season. Um, they won their first four. They look like world beaters. They beat Houston. They beat three other teams. <laughs> and then they hit this ridiculous stretch. And just listen to this, guys. Utah at home, then at Denver, at Golden State, at Portland, at San Antonio, <laughs> like yeah that's this murderer's <laughs> row in the west murderer's row i i literally have that written down to say <laughs> later so like the fact that you came up with it independently is just so apropos so the next game after that at oklahoma city like that is five games in a row against prospective western playoff teams mm-hmm. and the one before that at home against utah who, who going into the season, everybody thought would maybe be the second-ranked team in the West. So that's a tough stretch. But if you were a Pelicans fan going into that stretch, you didn't expect an 0-5 start. Like, I understand it's tough, but you weren't expecting 0-5. Yet, that's what they did. So after winning their first four, they lost five in a row. Now, granted, Anthony Davis missed three of those five games that they lost uh, with right elbow strain slash soreness, just various right elbow ailments. Uh, he he is probable for this next game against Oklahoma City. 
Alfred Payton is out. He's missed the last four, and he's out again with an ankle tweak. I think I think uh, Alfred Payton is uh, is Samson. He cut his hair, and he's kind of lost all his powers. Can't stand. He can't stay on the court. <laughs> yeah, that might that might be true. I <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if Samson had tweaked his ankle in that temple, yeah. But, <laughs> but so Anthony Davis, by all accounts, is probable for this game against OKC, uh, and he's he's legitimately a matchup problem for us. Like Stephen Adams is the third or fourth best player on our team and Steven Adams can't really handle Anthony Davis. If he's playing that center position, which he's been doing for large portions of the season, like, uh, Miritich has kind of fallen off after his ridiculously hot start to the season, but he's still going to be starting at the four for them. Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis is still going to be starting at the five for them. And, if the Thunder are going to match up, I don't know. I could this be a game where we see a lot of Nerlens? What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a game where the big men are going to have um, a lot more playing time. Um, so, I, yeah, I could definitely see Nerlens play more. I could definitely see uh, Stephen Adams playing a little bit more. Patrick Patterson. Uh, you're going to see a lot more big bodies out there. Um, so. You know, if, if the Thunder are going to bring up anybody from from their two-way players, more than likely Tyler Davis is going to be brought up, you know. So, so yeah. Yeah, and I, I think m- more than just saying that the Thunder need to play more bigs, I think I'm saying kind of the opposite, that maybe the Thunder need to play fewer bigs in this game. Maybe this is one of the games where Steven Adams needs to play a, a little bit less because can can you just picture, like, Nerlens can kind of guard Anthony Davis. And, I mean, nobody can. But Nerlens seems like one of the few players who can actually keep up with him athletically and match his height advantage. Like, yeah. maybe Adams needs to play a little bit less in this game and Nerlens needs to get more minutes if he can stay out of foul trouble. I see what you're saying. Nerlens is a little bit more athletic and yeah. longer in order to kind of yeah. keep a hand in uh, Davis's face because we've seen that Adams really can't guard him and he can shoot from outside, he can shoot from inside, mm-hmm. and he can take you off the dribble. So uh, that might be very well be a possibility. I'm I'm more worried. Yeah, Adams, Adams does fine. Mm-hmm. He does fine. But – I just think that there are things Nerlens can bring to the table defensively as far as going from outside the three-point line to inside the three-point line and and keeping up with Davis's speed that Adams has done his best but can't quite provide. So I, I think this might be an opportunity for him to show his value. And, I mean, we're talking about Anthony Davis who – you know, when healthy is a perennial or is, yeah. you know, many people think is a perennial MVP candidate. He may sure. just get his. I'm more, I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of more worried about uh, Drew Holiday, who has turned into this, you know, combo guard that can score from anywhere on the floor. He's a great, you know, he's a great driver into the basket. He's, he's improved his three point shot significantly. Um, 
So I, I'm more worried about him because Anthony Davis, I think, is going to get his. But if we mess around and have Anthony Davis getting his and then Giroux getting 28 to 32 points, then I think we're going to struggle. Because I think that opens up the floor for Miritich. And, you know, when it comes to Thunder, the, the Thunder and, and big men who can shoot it, you know, usually they're out of position. Yeah, and, and Drew had a a slow start to the season, but he's really come around recently. I think he had 29 points in the in this last game against the Spurs, so he, he's really come into his own. But, I mean, look, if, 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 if you want to just grant Davis his output, then we can do that, and that's fine. People have taken that strategy. But I think as far as limiting him, I think Nerlens might be the best option. Just as far as being able to stick with him on the perimeter and also down low. Like, Adams can't stay in front of him. Yeah, We've seen it. And it, he's not... he. Look, credit to Adams. He's one of the best centers in the league at being able to handle Davis. But it's not good enough. Mm-mm. Maybe maybe Nerlens can provide a little bit of something that Adams hasn't been able to. I can see that. I mean, if anything, it's just a different look. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so after after the New Orleans game, we're gonna go to Cleveland uh, and 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 match up against the I don't know resurgent. They won a game recently. <laughs> resurgent. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't call them that. <laughs> so yeah, the, so the Cavaliers, you know, the Eastern Conference champ Cavaliers, uh, who have been to four straight NBA Finals here recently, uh, they're off to a blistering one and eight start. Uh, woo! Watch out now. Uh, Kevin Love is out. Has he had left toe surgery? Um, and recently, a report. Convenient. I, yeah, recently a report. I think from I don't know if it was Woj or Shams that there's just a bunch of turmoil going on within that locker room. So you have vets that either want to get traded or think they're going to get traded um, before, you know, during this season. And then, you know, their, their, prized, their prized draft pick, Colin Sexton, uh, they've kind of not necessarily soured on him, uh, but they, you know, they've kind of – he hasn't progressed like they've wanted him to. He's done okay on the offensive end, uh, but defensively, you know, they thought they were getting this bulldog of a point guard, and he hasn't really played that way. Um, and so these guys are, you know, they're losing their games by an average margin of 16 points. Uh, defensive rating-wise, they're the last in the league. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a good look. Their only win was against Atlanta. Um, you know, you have Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> who plays point guard, and he's only averaging 0.9 assists. Uh, that's it's, all. That's it. Yeah, I mean, he's not even at one. You know, it's just literally, just literally not. It's not a good look for this team, um, pace wise. So this is, I think, where the Thunder are going to get them. Is the Thunder are the sixth ranked team as far as pace goes, and Cleveland is the twenty seventh ranked team. Um, so if the Thunder are able to play their game, which they should be able to, I think this is going to be an easy game. I, I, the only thing that they're really good at as far as Cleveland is offensive rebounding, um, and. <laughs> <laughs> because they miss so much, um, but you know Oklahoma City is still better than them at that you know in that statistical category. So you know Cleveland is re- rebuilding. Um, they can go ahead and try to you know Tristan Thompson can say that oh you know until somebody knocks us off we're still the uh, the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. But nah, bro, not, not anymore. 
So the worst thing that can happen to Cleveland this season is the headlines that say reports say. Yes. And that's all you get out of Cleveland. So the reports are saying that management told Tyler uh, Ty, Ty Lu to play the young guys. He's playing the veterans. They get rid of him. They uh, promote Drew. Larry Drew. Larry Drew uh, to the interim head coach, and he asked for a pay raise. They said, nah. So he's like, yeah, I'm just the acting coach. I'm just the voice. Mm -hmm. Then you have the reports that, you know, J.R. Smith wants to be traded. He gets fined for that comment. Then you have the reports that the veterans have soured, like you said, on Colin Sexton, mm -hmm. which is your number eight draft pick. Uh, then you have your main guy that you signed to a multi-million deal and brought the whole arena full of people to see, and he's out with toe injury again. Yeah, not just, and then you have a uh, Larry Nance that you signed to uh, an extension, and you're only playing him. I think it's 14 or 15 minutes a game. Yeah, so it's just a big old cluster, and <laughs> it doesn't seem like anybody has a plan, a roadmap, a future. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's just like, don't embarrass us. You keep laughing, man. Would you? I mean, it's Cleveland, but what are you laughing about? Man, I, I, like, <laughs> like, okay, okay. Like, I'm just like, let's, we need to, let's move on to the next game because I can't <laughs> stop laughing and it's a problem for the audio. Why, <laughs> so, well, why like, can't you stop laughing? Because, I mean, they, they tried to, they tried to, like, we're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but you you know you, you know what's funny about Colin this, Sexton, right? Colin Sexton all like gritting his teeth at opposing point guards. <laughs> it's like, come on, like you're bad. You're a bad team. But you're you, bad. But you know <laughs> what's bad. funny? You know what's funny about all this, right? If the Thunder are gonna lose a game, they're gonna lose this one. Shush. <laughs> Watch. Shush. Shush. But moving on. Shush. So let's move on. I hope that's reflected in your prediction after. Okay. So after the Thunder beat the Cleveland Cavaliers by 27 points, they, they're they going to play the Houston Rockets with the recently resurgent Carmelo Anthony. So, Anthony. Anthony yeah. <laughs> so we have the Houston Rockets who in the last five games have been two and three. Uh, the last two victories have come uh, off Brooklyn, 119 to 111. That's where Carmelo went off for 28 points, uh, recently resurgent Carmelo. And kind of had to because James Harden was out for that game. Uh, they And Ennis, James Ennis was out of that game. So they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, and then against Chicago, Harden returns. He goes off for 25 points. They win 96 to 88. Again, both teams are kind of the weaker teams in the Eastern Conference. So... Uh, fairly easy for them. Carmelo Anthony also had 17 points off the bench. So now that Houston has Harden and James Harden returning, uh, it's interesting to see how this team is going to gel. Uh, Chris Paul's had some injuries as well, but he's been back. Uh, a side note is that they've had five different starting lineups in eight games, and no starting lineup has been more than two games consecutive mm. because of injuries and stuff like this. So uh, – it's interesting. It's going to be interesting. We play Houston tough. Um, a little bit of a friendly rivalry between James Harden and Russell Westbrook. It's going to be in Oklahoma City. But again, you have a lot of unknown variables because these guys are coming off injuries and they haven't played a whole lot together.
Uh, so, I mean, the thing with Houston is their defense. It's not as good as it was last season. Um, and so I think if the Thunder are able to attack them like they've been attacking the last, you know, for the last couple games, I think this should be a game that, honestly, the Thunder win, I wouldn't say pretty easily, but they win, you know, they win. Well, you know, to to your credit, they did give up 133 points to the Clippers, mm. you know, in a game that they lost by 20. Wow. So... Yeah, I mean, any any time. So any time Carmelo Anthony's on the floor, Russell Westbrook's gonna gonna wet his chops. He's gonna be ready to go uh, whenever he sees that because he knows that, you know, there's no way that they can they can guard him. There's no way that Carmelo Anthony can stay in front of him. Um, and so I hope that the Thunder do to Carmelo Anthony as many teams did to Carmelo Anthony whenever he was playing yeah. in a Thunder uniform. Right. We we've seen the ways that teams can take advantage of his deficiencies so like if anybody is is equipped to to take advantage of those in the same way it would be us you got you just got to switch your guard onto him yep that's all exactly that's all you my only concern would be that we just get overly aggressive Mm. and then end up switching on a guard onto him and just taking bad shots well i mean the thing is we have we have point guards that are pretty good. So it doesn't matter whether it's Russell Westbrook or whether, you know, it's, it's Schroeder off the bench. I think both guys, I, th- I think the game plan is going to be, look, if Mel- if Melo's in the game, target him. So, you know, get switched on to him and, you know, do what you do naturally in basketball. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see if Brina's switched on to – Carmelo Anthony and <laughs> just cross him up. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so after after the Houston game, we got at the Dallas Mavericks, um, and that's the fourth game this week. Kind yeah. of a heavy week. So, Alex, Alex, go ahead and talk about that one. So, I mean, the Dallas Maverick game. That Dallas Mavericks is always usually like a uh, like a, a OU Texas type rivalry you know regardless of record you know it's you know for the most part always going to be a, a pretty good game um so coming into this game so coming in right at, at the moment Dallas is two and seven we don't play them till Saturday um, but Dallas is two and seven um they have an offensive rating of 107 which is 18th in the league and then they have a defensive rating of 112.9 which is 24th in the league um so like a lot of young teams they're okay offensively and they're pretty bad defensively um and so you know the 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 Mavericks are, I think they're in the middle of a rebuild. Um, they have a couple young players that are doing very well. Luka Doncic has basically been um, as good as advertised. Um, he's nineteen four point point four points, uh, six point six rebounds, four point six assists, and he's shooting thirty nine percent from three. So that guy, you know, it's a good thing that that uh, Trey Young is having a good season in Atlanta. Um, because this is literally going to, you know, this would literally be one of those trades where, you know, 10, 15 years from now, whenever Doncic has, you know, is, is on a Hall of Fame path, if Trey Young was not on the same path, it would have been something that would have been looked back consistently throughout, you know, draft day deals and things like that. So he's doing well. Wes Matthews is averaging 17.6 points and shooting 35% from three. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., 16.5 points, uh, 3.8 assists. Um, and then Harrison Barnes and DeAndre Jordan are the other guys averaging in double figures for uh, the Mavericks. 
Um, our boy Dirk Nowitzki has not played at all this season. I believe he's recovering from some sort of injury. Um, but you know, this this is a team that again they are in the beginning stages of a rebuild. Um, you know, basically Mark Cuban has said before that he wants to tank, and then he got you know his hand slapped a little bit from the league, and so he's trying to put together a roster that looks like they're trying, but he's also trying to tank. So he knows that this is Dirk's last season. Um, he knows that this team is not necessarily a free agent hotbed. Um, so he knows he has to build through the draft, so he has to be bad in order to to get those best picks. So this is going to be one of those games where the Thunder need to play their game to win it. Um, they sometimes go into Dallas lackadaisically, and they get caught sleeping, and they lose those games. So the Thunder have to come into this game, play their game, and hopefully in the end, come out with a victory. They should come out with a victory. But we've seen recent recent history in Dallas where regardless of how bad Dallas is, if the Thunder don't come in playing their game, um, the uh, the Mavericks treat this game like a rivalry game and end up winning it. Yeah, we always have a tough time in Dallas. I agree with that. Um, uh, as far as the next week's outlook goes, I think at first glance there are two tough games. And then two easy games, but both of those are on the road. So I, I think it's really important for the Thunder to have a good performance in this week, especially coming off an 0 for 4 and then a, a respondent 4 for 4. Like, this is the time to prove whether or not you're a good team. Mm-hmm. You need to come out above 500 in this week. Agree. So, what is so, your prediction? So, so yeah, yeah. So um, going on to record predictions for this week. Uh, first off, we'll lead with the Twitter prediction, which as of now is landing at the Thunder winning three and losing one. But there is actually a solid 4-0 contingent. So that'll round up tomorrow. That poll will, although we're over, we're over 100 votes already. So uh it's unlikely that will change, but the solid four and zero contingent. I mean, we'll we'll see how that ends up turning out. But I mean, look. So we've got Dylan, who's not with us tonight. Uh, and, and full disclosure, Matty Moles, we don't have his prediction. He has some stuff at work, and we were unable to get it. But we will make sure that he is truthful in that. Um, so Dylan has predicted four and zero for this week and look Dylan and I are on kind of a a contentious start to this prediction season neither of us have predicted a loss yet (laughs) so Dylan I'm looking you right in the eye and I'm not gonna blink first man (laughs) like (laughs) like (laughs) you are not you are not a more truthful fan than I am so (laughs) Dylan predicts four and zero, and I'm doing the same. And I, I will. We're just gonna fight this out to the <laughs> death. So, <laughs> so Alex, what you got for this week? Uh, I got three and one. Uh, oh, ye of little faith. Yes, uh, with the yes. the loss coming against New Orleans. Oh, uh, you don't have to tell us which one. Hey, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm confident with my with my predictions. So, so you think they're. Their four wins, five losses, desperation will will cause them to pull one out. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, okay. I mean, that's reasonable, but but I respect you a little less for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anthony, what you got? I also got three and one. I've just been a fan of this team for so long that I know okay. that in a situation like this, they're just going to blow a game. And until proven <laughs> otherwise, Against I'm Cleveland. just, just going to roll yeah. with that. Uh, so you th- I've yeah, seen. So you think they'll lose? I, you know, I don't even know. The New Orleans game is difficult because I've seen uh, Anthony Davis hit last second three pointers on us. All right. So keep your ears and eyes open for the resolution of how we're going to punish the 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 worst failure of our thunder predictions by the week uh we're gonna come up with something embarrassing for that person to do and i mean let's let's hope that you as twitter followers aren't the worst prediction because or else you're gonna be embarrassed so we'll we'll figure it out uh so with that said we had a great week and we've got another busy week coming for thunder basketball uh let's hope it's another great week because we're really on a roll here and the thunder have a lot of momentum going right now and if they can keep that going then we can really see the team that we were expecting to see this season so with that said thanks for listening uh you can find us at okc topic thunder on twitter you can find us at thunderousintentions.com. Now that's thunderbasketball.com. You can find us on iTunes. If you're finding us on iTunes, please rate and subscribe. And that'll really help us out a lot. Leave us a positive review. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. With that said, Thunder Up. Thunder Up. Yep. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.